passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to Raw. It's John Pollock and waiting back in Toronto, back to three-hour Raws, and we are ready to go. How are you, Way? Doing all right. Yeah, not so bad. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. I, w- I will say, um, I, I much I much prefer uh, the four and under hour driving trip than something that involves an airplane, a layover, um, multiple time zones. I mean, this was a this was a piece of cake travel wise. I've got to say, yeah, yeah. Um, it it was a lot actually simpler than I was expecting. Um, so I don't know how much how many places we're able to go to um at four hours and under that might be holding a significant wrestling event in our future. Um, but sure, you, I you're not you're not holding your breath for WrestleMania Ottawa. I don't think that's happening, and I think that's actually that might be a little over four hours. That's yeah, give or give or take, depending yeah. on your uh, on your. Uh, that that's our limit, you know. You go to Montreal, forget it. We're not we're not going. That's too yeah. far. Four hours is our limit. So, uh, you come to us, and we'll we'll moderately come to you. That's mm-hmm. that's the post wrestling travel schedule. Uh, but a lot of fun this weekend. We we had a lot uh, up on the site. If you want to go check it out, we did a a road trip podcast for cafe members on Friday night, and then back with a SummerSlam review very late on Saturday night after SummerSlam. And uh, we also have interviews up on the post wrestling YouTube channel, currently ones with Shayna Baszler and Ricochet. And we will have some more uh, coming out in the, uh, in the days to follow. So you can look forward to those uh, that we conducted at the WWE media day. And yes, it was it was a great trip to Detroit. We got to meet a lot of listeners, and um, I, I believe the most random one was uh, as I was furiously trying to get to uh, the, the baseball game to, to get my ticket, and, and a guy walked by just by himself and just said, good job. And I assumed, <laughs> it, like, I, I am a little vain. I, I assumed he, he knew who I was, or he could have been completely mistaken and maybe thought I was, you know, the backup shortstop i have no idea but it was it was a very um and i had my headphones on too and i was just wow thanks and <laughs> kept going just just good job and shout in out life. that guy i'm i'm all for uh brevity right okay well um well good job i'd like to echo his 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 uh statement you know in whatever you're doing you know the way you just sip that coffee the way uh, you dress today john just good job in general yeah 
I've, I've realized I've done just a number to my system. So I've gotten into the habit. People, I'm going to reveal this. I usually drink a decaf coffee at night. You might realize it if you're a viewer of these shows. So uh, last night I got back. I just, I just didn't feel it. And I slept so terribly. I slept like if, you know, when you have drank like real coffee and then you're just, you just sleep terribly as a result of the caffeine. I, I don't, that doesn't happen. Does that ever happen, happen to happen. you? Not really. Not to me, but, but I can understand. Sure. Yeah. I, I I've occasionally had like Starbucks like late at night and that's just a nightmare. Um, but anyway, so I didn't drink any decaf coffee on Sunday night and my body was like, God knows what I've done to myself, but it was just like, I I had the, the opposite effects as though I had been drinking caffeine. Is that weird? Um, so you're saying the decaf had the effect of caffeinated coffee. I'm saying there's still caffeine in decaf. There is Mm -hmm. just, it's just a minimum amount. And the fact I did not have any, I feel like it, it just played a trick on my system. Interesting. So your body's, so maybe it's not so much the coffee, it's something else. Yeah. I'm looking at my list here. We have a lot of stuff to talk on. So I'm going to, we're, we're going to park this one and we're just going to move on because I know it's not the most no, engaging discussion. That, I'm. That's fine with me. Sure. Way, I have a lot of topics to, to discuss with you. We'll go over the schedule before Raw, but I want to go into a catch up because we were uh, focused on uh, what was happening in Detroit, but there was a lot of different wrestling going on. One match I know you watched and I have since watched, that was the parking lot brawl on rampage on friday night it was the second parking lot fight that AEW had done the first one being all the way back in 2020 with the best friends and santana ortiz a very well-remembered match uh this thing was like insane and i say that in the best possible way that like this was shot the day after moxley and trent did this anything goes match they're they they head on over to daly's place to do this this was like the most incredible like movie fight scene. And I don't, I don't know if they had any uh, pause in the action here, but my God, was this thing just, uh, it, it blew me away of just what it was and what they pulled off here. And I feel it was just fell through the cracks of the, of the weekend, this parking lot brawl. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, I think they have a lot to live up to with any of their like, quote unquote, sort of branded match types, especially when that was, you know, uh, I would consider like a legacy match of AEW Dynamite. I mean, they presented it as such in the sort of a 200 episode recap, right? So they certainly had a lot to live up to. And when you throw in John Moxley into the mix, you know, things are going to get that much more um, violent and bloody. What I didn't so much expect was how much Trent guy with like fused neck um how much he was willing to take and it was certainly at the the point where i was like concerned um i i hope they they somehow worked this um car windshield glass because god like they they took some some bad punishment on these cars. I, I want to have faith that the, that the glass was it was gimmicked. I I hope that's the legacy of Bill Goldberg that you always get yeah. glass in vehicles. But oh. I mean, for what this was, and this isn't going to be for everybody. Just the, the the violence of this. I mean, that's what was advertised, and it was what was delivered. And uh, we had the incorporation of Sue's van. Uh, I mean, just some of the moments here: the giant swing into the huge trash bin. The curb stomp, they ripped the door off of Sue's van, and then there was a curb stomp onto the door. Like, it was just one thing after the other. I mean, it was, I I thought it was totally captivating for what Mm, it was. Absolutely. And I I say this with, with, like, the most, like, praise is, did this belong on Rampage? Like, I feel this would have been more impactful uh, if this had been, I just think that 
here we are on a Monday, and I don't even know if this um, really reached a ton of people's rate. Although the number was up on Friday, this definitely did draw in male viewership. So, I mean, we 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 spent a lot of time on these airwaves complaining about the lack of relevant content on Rampage, and and not anymore. They, well, we just don't even I, talk about Rampage whatsoever, right? On Rampage, I would think this right. is almost a. I just don't think we should be complaining all of a sudden when they do give us, you know, matches worth talking about and worth watching on Rampage. It's 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 not dissimilar to, I think, um, what I felt was a very good edition of Collision this past weekend because they gave us a lot of, like, relevant content, stuff that was worth watching, even if most of us were watching SummerSlam at the time. I think the ability to go back and to be able to say, oh, um, I wish I watched this show is really important to the reputation of especially something like Rampage right now. Perhaps. I mean, it's still an hour of programming and you would want, you know, in your negotiations, like Rampage is still part of that mix. Um, and, and this was going to be a very tough weekend to cut through all that was going on. But um, this was, listen, if you're if you're not for these crazy violent affairs, this might not be up your alley. But for what this was, I just I, I thought this was right on par with the first one. Um, I thought it was mm-hmm. uh, just to to watch this that they probably had how many hours to prepare for this like this is this was like a this was minute. the day after they took tax by the way the, yeah this is the day after that anything goes match where like how much notice they had that they were doing because we did see uh, moxley get pulled from the pro wrestling revolver show several days earlier so i'm imagining he had a couple days heads up that we're doing this parking lot brawl but you know they, these guys are all coming together and to put this together like this is every bit like your climactic m- movie scene and it was like god knows how long it was the, the the shoot was we saw like 20 minutes or so of it on on television but it was mm-hmm. it was insane yeah. um coming out of a collision on saturday we have a bit more clarity on all in with the challenge made by samoa joe to cm punk that their legacy cannot end with a roll up and and thus <laughs> issuing the challenge i I don't know why Punk won this Owen Hart. Cup. I mean, I, that's that's the thing, you know. Like, yeah, okay, promo from Joe, like, um, fine. But God, would this story have been so much better if he beat some uh, CM Punk in the Owen tournament? Because Punk didn't win the tournament anyway. You could have had Joe versus Starks, and Starks, you know, gone on. To, what they could have found a way to get uh, Stark. It could have worked. I just think it's so much more important to retain this twenty-year like obstacle that CM Punk has hasn't overcome and for it to just kind of be deflated in a pretty at this point you know forgettable mm, like one week affair between the two in an effort to try to build up to this big match at Wembley I I don't know if it, it calls to like it makes me ask if Punk versus Joe was was supposed to be the plan at Wembley or if there was any plan for Wembley for for Punk I think you could have got to the same spot where it's like Punk and Starks in the semifinal and you get to Punk like sneaks by Starks instead of doing the cheating gimmick. And then, you know, Starks goes, uh, he is eliminated and you just go with Joe winning this thing. I, I, I don't think Ricky Starks winning this Owen Hart cup has, you know, it, it has not changed this story one iota, like him having this thing. It's not like he walks mm-hmm. around with this belt. It's um, I just think like the money in this is Punk getting that win and he's got that win now. Anyway, um, and then FTR challenging the Young Bucks as well that, you know, it's essentially here is this eight year story or however long that they have been uh, attached since the uh, 
uh, Fuck the Revival began, mm-hmm. and it's a rubber match. They've each won one match. Their last one was Boston after last year's Mania, and they're going into Wembley, and it's going to be who is who is the best tag team. Yeah, if both these matches come to fruition, I would say they they qualify as like you know like big big matches for a, a show on the on the scale of an all in. I though do have like criticisms about maybe um what feels like a lack of story in the weeks leading up to these announcements both of these i mean even the uh, the punk joe one just yes they had that match beforehand but there was nothing afterwards to that really told you that they were building towards this rematch i felt like punk and joe were pretty much divorced after the owen hart tournament match and certainly the same goes for ftr and the bucks so when were these matches put together um and ultimately, does that matter? You know, do people just want to have attractive matches on paper for something like this? I, I think largely it's it's that. I mean, it's it's not like there's no story here. It's just it's there so are it's, stories with any team, John, you know, they, like with any pairing between FTR and any other like team here. But did you take take the effort to lead the audience down those paths in the weeks leading up to it? All I'm asking is, were there plans for this card and all in, and were they set in months, months in advance? Or was this like a le- late put together sort of like, you know, series of matches? In the case of the Bucks and FTR, I, I really don't see it being any kind of problem with, with people. Like um, if you had four weeks of promos back and forth, I mean, you're, you're going to get that over these next three three, four weeks, but I, I understand where, where you're coming from. And that's, I mean, that's not an all in issue. That's like, that is a form of storytelling that Tony Khan does do where it's stuff that might have transpired, transpired over months. And in this case, years that when it's announced, like you connect all the dots, but it's not your traditional, you know, week one, week two, week three, and then the match is week four. And, mm-hmm. you know, and there, there's good and bad to, to that as well, but it's, Certainly this all-in card, it is those top three matches. I I don't think anyone's complaining about those three matches. I will say I definitely in, as we were discussing over the weekend, the idea of this Ricky Steamboat involvement, I kind of talked myself into this idea of Steamboat somehow playing a role in this match on Saturday and somehow coming out of it the heel and CM Punk wants to wrestle Ricky Steamboat at all-in and you get your WrestleMania three tie-in and... You know, Steamboat, I don't know if Steamboat could do a singles match, but we saw last year he can do a six man and be at least uh, if you if you had that in there to draw the connection, I suppose, to WrestleMania three. Uh, why? Like, because th- this is breaking the, that record. Is that the idea? Because I think you're looking for special things on this show. And to me, if yeah. you were to do uh, somehow Ricky Steamboat on one side and then you've got Punk with his team on the other, like if you had uh I mean, anyway, it's not happening. It's so. not happening. I I also feel like at this point, like, just like with the Rob Van Dam, like Jack Perry match, I kind of feel like those nostalgia acts are better reserved for TV. You know, like I, 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 I they might be good, good enough matches, but I think the standard is should be a lot higher for an AEW pay-per-view. And a great you're happy with. I'm not happy with that whatsoever. No, not at all. Well, um, this coming Saturday, they are going to have CMFTR challenging the House of Black for the, the trios titles. That'll be in Greensboro. And I would think they they have Steamboat on this show, given it's, it's Greensboro. And you did do the angle at the end of the show that sort of necessitates him coming back for at least, I would say, one more week. Maybe, maybe it's Starks versus Steamboat. Maybe that's what they're building to. 
Um, yeah, that's uh, always a possibility uh, mm-hmm. as well. And as I mentioned, lots of things happening over this weekend. You had uh, Jake Paul and Nate Diaz. You had a UFC card. You had, as we mentioned, a collision with Rampage. But I don't want Impact Wrestling to get forgotten over this weekend because while we were in Detroit, if there was one segment I was told I need to go back and watch, it is the resurrection of Eric Young, which was described to me. But boy, sitting down and watching this, it did not prepare me for maybe the greatest segment of all time. Way, did you have time to watch this? Oh, yes, I did. Yes. Under your advisement, I did take the time and uh, I'm very glad I did. Okay. Number one. When they were going into Slammiversary, and it was just the mystery partner for Scott Demore, who will replace PCO, this is how the go-home show should have ended, okay? This is how the go-home show should have ended and revealed who the partner was. So to get everyone up to speed that are not watching Impact, when Eric Young left the company um, the last time, what they did was his his main disciple, Cody Diener, was um, you know pretty much ascending into the role to take over the design and by doing that he had to get rid of the leader who he had been uh, feuding with in eric young so it comes down to this prison scene where they meet and diener proceeds to shank eric young and we are left with the conclusion that eric young has been murdered by diener in this prison and that is how eric young was written off turns out he requested and received his release from wwe and he came back to life at Slammiversary. And this was like the big question of, wait a minute, this guy was killed the last time we saw him and led to like the legit greatest backstage interview of all time with Gia Miller pointing out, you're not dead. So what's going on? It's a great question, Gia. It's a fair question. And Eric Young secured footage of what happened in the prison. So what I'm going to say is that the next time like we have nothing to stand on when it ever comes to the invisible camera. Okay. Because this just was incomprehensible that we had uh, an accomplice here an, uh, an accessory here to this crime that shot this beautiful HD footage and got close-ups of Eric Young. And then uh, unless it, it must've just been um, uh, a drone maybe that well. followed him uh, <laughs> out of this prison and over on his motorcycle. I think um, whereas, you know, AEW or AEW certainly takes one philosophy about like um, maybe trying to convince us of the reality of like these sort of backstage skits. Impact really takes it the complete opposite direction. You know, they are. And I think for a long time, they've have not shied away from these sort of like I hate to you throw the word around, but like cinematics, you know, cinema type of like, you know, backstage segments and um, it's I mean, they really did put the stamp on those with the going back to the the final deletion and and everything mm-hmm. like that. And they did listen when impact was on its deathbed, that yeah. final deletion stuff was a um, morsel of life into that company when that happened in 2016. So, mm-hmm. I mean, listen, they are something so different that I, I feel they like there is, I, I always applaud being different. Um, but I look at this and this is to me, like I saw almost no reaction to this. So I don't know what that says about the fact that are people desensitized to this or is this just a just case of impact is so below the radar that are not even watching this. Because this would be uh, World War Three online if WWE did this angle, AEW did this angle. Um, but it requires you to sit back as Eric Young, 
gets onto his motorcycle. And not since Jeff Hardy have we got such an in-depth inner monologue than Eric Young reflecting on what has happened. Life, death, total opposites, but one can't exist without the other. What is it to die? What is it to live? Can you die if you've never truly lived? Is death final? Then why are we so scared of it? Is it because in the end, death truly is the unknown? Death is inevitable. It's the end game. The curtain call. The last thing any of us will know. Death can be a gateway. Death can be a reward. Death can be beautiful. But I ain't fucking dead yet. I've lived a thousand lives during my time in this business. And if I have it my way, I'm going to live a thousand more. A man can be killed. A body can be deposed of disposed of flesh it can be removed but an idea an idea is eternal an idea can live forever i'm more than a name more than life more than death i am an idea and i will live forever Mm -hmm. so um (laughs) segment of the year where do i start um this inner monologue felt like the scene in Billy Madison where he goes on this giant tirade in, in this academic decathlon and the person responds by saying what you just said was absolute nonsense and we're all dumber for having heard it. This felt like they had to write themselves out of this hole <laughs> of a character, you know, essentially dying. And what they came up with was a lot of words. It probably sounded really good if you weren't paying attention, but it, <laughs> thank you for um, <laughs> captioning it, John, because it made, I mean, sense to somebody, I suppose, but um you know, I, am... I think he should get like a tattoo on his back of the. Actually, there's no room on his back for for this. Actually, if you see, he's pretty inked up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I give them a whole lot of credit for trying to explain how somebody can come back from the dead because I I don't. There, there are points either. for at least addressing this, as opposed to he's just oh, the end of the show. We're just going to ignore dude. this. This is the main event. Like they they ended the yeah, show. This I is mean... the whole show was built around this. I appreciate the level of production. I appreciate the, like the the fact that they're not they're willing to play, you know, and they're willing to just like take risks. And this is certainly risk, you know. <laughs> um, and I don't know if it, if it garners like positive press for impact or if it's another one of those things that you do you just kind of point and laugh. Um, but they have to take they have to do different things. They have to get people talking somehow. I don't think they should be um, shooting for. Um indifference okay Mm -hmm. i think if you're gonna go something like this go all the way get generate this discussion from people i think that's a win for impact if that's what you're talking about like this is a show that at best is being watched by 150,000 viewers on a thursday night on access like this is not um like impact is not near the viewership of women of wrestling like mm. when you think about it, like women of wrestling is just what, what a mystery this show is. It is watched it? by so many more um, people. And to this day, I have never gotten a tweet, an email, any, any form of reaction to this show. I mean, are the people watching it, not your traditional wrestling fans that might be listening to a podcast like this? I don't know who these people are way. I don't know who they are, but it's a, it's a significant enough number. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. 
I hope they follow up on this somehow. I mean, it, it, I feel like a lot of they'll have this brought you back in. This, this has got you watching. Impact <laughs> I mean, if they get more ridiculous, yeah, why not? You know, hey, like we were probably saying the same thing about the final deletion, weren't we? No, that was pretty. That was pretty. Uh, I, I require. I, I recall everyone like applauding. Like it was dumb, but it it won everyone over by I would say like five minutes into that thing. Like it was really well done, and it was definitely attention sorely needed for Impact at the time. Sonya Deville has suffered a torn ACL. This was first reported by TMZ and uh, and WWE. They put out a um, not only did Sonya Deville post a video uh, confirming this, but WWE posted a graphic with the text as broken by TMZ. So I'm wondering if WWE will do the same when like uh, wrestling news outlets break news. Are they going to have a graphic and and credit the the source? Is that going to happen in the future? I only if it. they leak it to that source. Well. Um, Sonya Deville, uh, she suffered this torn ACL in that tag match from two weeks ago on July 28th, teaming with Chelsea against Charlotte and Bianca Belair on SmackDown. And she just stated she's going to be out for an extended period, a torn ACL. She's having surgery on Tuesday. So that's going to be months and months uh, that she will be out if it's a fully torn ACL. So you're looking probably six to eight months. Now, did I miss it? They never addressed this on the show tonight. They did. Did they? 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 Okay, then I missed it. What did they say about the titles? I, um, or did they just acknowledge they, the injury? They acknowledged the injury, and I think they said, well, it remains to, something to the effect of it remains to be seen um, what happens to Chelsea in the in the titles. I They did not explicitly say that like they'd strip her of the championship or anything like that. Mm-hmm. She did mm-hmm. state in the, in the video that she will be back sooner rather than later, um, unless this was a uh, – I mean, I don't think that means anything. That probably just means like, um, I'll be back before you know it, you know, type of like. Well, then why wouldn't you just announce like the titles are vacant, like or like they've had time to figure this out. This happened weeks ago. Uh, Did it happen weeks ago? When was the July 28th was the injury? Oh, okay. Mm. Well, not weeks, a week. They've had one week. I mean, maybe they, they wanted a proper, you know, announcement. I, I don't know. I, I don't think anyone's holding like with bated breath. What the, I the think there are questions now of whether or not these championships will come back at all. I mean, this. I think they've received a... so much blowback. I don't think they want that. That I don't think so. I think there's so much criticism about how poorly handled these championships have been from day one, and it's like beyond that, the division. You know, like we were asking, okay, once Sonya and Chelsea won these belts, who is there for them to face to win it? You got Casey and uh, and uh, uh, Katana Carter. Uh, yeah, Caden Carter. Um, who else? Who well, are we got the return team? of uh, uh, Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell tonight. That's yes, uh, doubling yeah. your division. Crazy. Uh, that, you know, they're on fire right now. I mean, it's just like they have put. Where, where, no where's effort. Nikki Cross? Where's Piper Niven? Where's uh, Tegan Knox? They put, where, where all these women go? Yeah, where, where, uh, Kay- Kaylee Ray and uh, you know Al- Alba Fire. You know, like it, list goes on. They put <laughs> zero zero effort into like building this division. And if you're not going to take it seriously, then I I think we'd all be better off not not having them. I, and I I would hate for that to happen. I would much prefer them to actually take them seriously. This could pose an opportunity for them to completely refresh it and to take it seriously. But nothing they've done has given me that optimism. Yeah, I. I certainly like obviously it's it's terrible for for Sonya Deville. I I also feel for Chelsea Green who has had like her own laundry list of injuries and mm. and then you know they were starting off um her program with uh, with Carmella and then of course uh, Car- Carmella got pregnant. You 
moved over to this. And these two, like forever you wanted to say, like they found a chemistry, they had a, a role on the show. And, and again, an injury, um, this one outside of her own injury, uh, it just kind of affects her role on raw as well. So it just, mm. uh, yeah. I mean, Sony even joked like these titles being cursed and, uh, I guess that continues. So yeah, anyway, uh, hopefully, um, as speedy a recovery as possible for, uh, Sonya Deville. WWE, they put out a press release uh, going over some uh, notes for SummerSlam. They listed the gate at $8.5 million, so that would be their largest non-WrestleMania gate uh, in in the promotion's history. It topped uh, Clash at the Castle from last year in Cardiff. Um, they also stated that sponsorship revenue was the largest for a non-Mania event, citing $7 million in sponsorships between um, among the clients, Slim Jim, Rocket Mortgage, and that big C4 money that... uh. They, they pumped into them. Now, tonight on Raw, I thought that that was like, I thought we were getting some kind of Mike Mike's Hard Lemonade tie-in with Becky Lynch just randomly drinking all this lemonade. I mean, it wasn't so random. It was like in reference to, I think, um, her social media tweets over the weekend where she was essentially, she tweeted something about uh, making lemons out of lemonade as she was uh, squeezing lemons oh, at home. Oh, I'm not aware of any of this. Yeah. as, as almost what this lemonade was about. It was just kind of her way of almost like uh, protesting to the audience or at least you know, giving the impression that she's protesting um, her match not being on the show. The, the match wasn't canceled, though. Paul Levesque said so. Uh, Levesque actually even made reference to the the lemonade line at at the press conference. So it it became a bit of a thing, and this was all it was. But, yeah, it would have been a great time, great position to do the Mike's Hard Lemonade. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's why you're here, Wade, to keep me uh, up to speed on on the the social media happenings. Um, Also, um, it was the most watched SummerSlam of all time on Peacock, which is not surprising since since last year's show um, on Peacock. Uh, it, it's growing by 8 million subscribers. So they also have that many more million subscribers that are have access to Peacock. And among, though, the top three most watched WWE events on uh, on Peacock, which would be interesting if they separate, like this year's WrestleMania, for instance. Is that two separate events and this would be three? Or do they just categorize WrestleMania as one thing and it would be behind uh, some something else? But nonetheless, whatever sounds the best. I guess so. I mean, um, so there you have it. And yeah, there the the last figure that WrestleTix had put out was fifty one thousand four seventy seven tickets distributed. And you know, later this year, WWE will put out their key performance indicators. We'll all we'll also get Polestar data. But anyway, for uh, for those that are uh, focused on the fifty nine thousand number, WWE will uh, reveal it themselves. So then you can. Uh, it's amazing the arguments you get over attendance when. WWE themselves like put out the accurate info later in the year. So, I mean, by all accounts with this promotion, with the all in, I mean, you have, you know, talents right now. And, and I think their own advertising publicly stating something around the, the vicinity of like 80,000, maybe 80 plus, which by all accounts will look like a legitimate number. Right, John? Yeah. Um, and do we know, like, has, does AEW inflate their number, their pay-per-view attendance or are their attendance figures like to the media? Uh, have they done that in the past? And do you think they'll doesn't they, look like they've been nothing like this? Like it's it's fairly like in line to to the point that when you figure in um you know combo sales like when they've had the um uh like back to back nights or as as well like sweet figures it's like it's a reasonable enough that it's right. it's, a, it's a viable number like you are not going to be seeing 
it come out that Wembley's really like 65 and, and it's 80. Like, mm-hmm. like WrestleTicks is like a third party outlet. We will get the pull star uh, data at some point as well, which is like an industry right. trade. So there's a very good chance. I mean, the promotion of this event is the, the biggest wrestling event of all time or something to that effect. And and it looks like they'll be banking on a real figure to make that claim. For, ticket, for tickets d- distributed, like they are going to reach that. It's, I mean, they... Like they they are right around like eighty thousand, and that mm-hmm. is like right in the vicinity of what that WrestleMania thirty two was, like the real like turnstile yeah. number. Well, do you find it interesting that they're going to be using their legitimate number as a way to say this is more than you know what WWE has famously given as you know their sort of flubbed numbers? Like, do you find that philosophy interesting? And uh, yeah, do you have any thoughts about that? Um, I mean th- this. Like and, their number WWE's are, response, like if they if there is one, you know, I don't I don't see them acknowledging it in in any way. Like I don't see WWE putting out like some press release to put out their work numbers being ahead of this number. Like this this tops like the legit numbers that WWE has done for some of their biggest WrestleManias. And yeah, it, it will be it will be interesting to see if if the fact if WWE continues to push for this like big Wembley card at at some point for. A WrestleMania and you know to to what extent like I don't feel they're losing sleep over bragging rights to, to the point that they would go and do you pull- know do you know who's in charge of this company still I do know but what I'm saying is w- would I see them uh offsetting uh a, a WrestleMania site fee to go to London for zero site fee just to accomplish this. No, I, I I don't think so either. No, maybe not at this point. But it's more so just like you know the 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 the, the sort of like I don't know egotistic bragging rights of like being able to say oh, my number is bigger than your number. You know, um, I'm trying I'm I'm just trying to think like are they even can they even play that game because their fake numbers are larger than AEW's legitimate number, but AEW can will be able to say our legitimate number is bigger than your legitimate number so like i just don't even know what wwe's defense would be in that in that argument not not when you have their own like their own investment documents that reveal what their what their numbers are i yeah. mean it's not yeah. even something it's where... not like they're going to come out and say well uh our, our our legit number is you know this much anyway it's it, we're getting sidetracked but it's an interesting conversation Let's talk a bit about the G1. We're going into the final week of the tournament. So the A block and B block are all figured out. The A block was won by Sonata, which we knew going into the weekend, but it was the fight for second place with Hikuleo emerging as the second place finisher with eight points. And somewhat surprisingly, Kaito Kiyomiya out after losing what I thought was a terrific match with Ren Narita that saw the two draw upon their, their mentors. You had Narita um, using like Anoki spots. You had Kiyomiya uh, channeling Masawa. And it, it was a, a really good match between them, but it was Ren Narita getting the big win. So the main event of the show, the main event in Osaka was Hikuleo against Shota Umino, which is the match it came down to. And Hikuleo won and thus finishes with eight points and he advances. A real big surprise. You know, I think for a lot of us expecting to see Kaito Kiyomiya to meet, to meet Kazuchika Okada in one of the playoff stages here. Um, um, giving the spot to Hikuleo instead. I mean, you know, this whole tournament, I think, has been about building. And certainly A Block has been about building new talent. I guess a lot of us just didn't necessarily see Hikuleo taking that step up above, you know, the three mus- musketeers, nor Kaito Kiyomiya or 
or even a Gabe Kid. So now, now I, the A block is done. How effective do you think this was in building new stars? I think it's been, coming out of this A block with a um an extra edge, some kind of momentum, or has stood me, out in terms for me it's Gabe Kidd. I I mean I he he went from I would say relative unknown, you know, and non-player in a new Japan scene to somebody that I I really enjoyed. I think for the rest of them, like it's been good to at least get their um get them on on a on a bigger stage. You know, a lot of instances for people to kind of watch them perform. The, the time limit draws, I think, kind of became you know mini headline stories themselves. But again, like with the with the three of them, the three musketeers, I I sense like this is very much a long game with them, and to start them off without any sort of significant result, I don't think is the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I'm kind of torn on this one because I think it's the I, I understand that thinking and I wouldn't want to like throw these guys in, into the fire and there's that rejection. But I also feel like they've they've been on the come up and I can understand like and, and Ghetto is more of a I can't even say he's he's someone that always subscribes to the long game, because as we, we've seen when he's ready for somebody, he pulls the trigger pretty mm-hmm. quick and you look at the three musketeers and we're coming out of this and it's well where it, it's a it's a longer story and then we look at Kiyomiya and everyone figured his involvement here was to all roads lead to Okada but we're leading it, it's a longer story and i'm just looking at you know the, the attendance for the G1 it's been disappointing like they need something and there's certain times when yes you build for the future and you're telling a longer story there's other times you've got to just go and hit something big to spark your audience to get something going um i'm not saying new japan is, is flat but it's like this g1 has been um kind of the, the least amount of buzz i would say for a g1 in years is that so even less than the pandemic period i mean i i kind of look at those as like outliers but i i would still say yes yeah, yeah. for me i mean i certainly felt it because i think of, of how much content that you have to consume in order to keep up with it and also the abundance of every like competing you know uh, um product that's out there with AEW and countless others so i could see that well i i, I do think hikuleo like it's like i don't think this guy is going to be the the, the big star a year from now but i i I thought his match with Umino was probably his best of the G1. Um, so hey, it's just uh, of the of all the candidates, this one probably surprised people the most that he's he is going to the next round. The B block, it did come down to Okada and Osprey, as most assumed. Uh, but my God, did you see Osprey and El Fantasmo? No, it's uh, it's part of my long list of, of catch up uh, matches. I have to watch. This this might be the match of the tournament. It was phenomenal. It was uh, it was. Uh, my my double XL, uh, if we have to go uh, that route. So uh, that match you have to go see from Sunday show in Osaka. It was tremendous. Uh, Okada beat Tangaloa on the final day, and um, uh, that you don't have to go out of your way to see. But um, oh, I saw some of that. Um, some of that made its way to to Reddit, uh, just specifically of um, Tangaloa. Yeah, he's been doing this sort of like. Oh man, awful! It, it, it looked bad. I, I would say the, the match was not awful, uh, but that yeah. that alone, out of context, it's uh, well. I mean, in context, even it was not, it was not good. I'm not defending the, right. the the strikes looked bad, but it was you know it was it was not a memorable match that I, w- I would say you have to go see. So on Tuesday, it will come down to the C block, and we have Finley and Evil. Uh, along with Eddie Kingston with eight points, and then Tamatonga and Shingo Takagi with seven. 
So the final day for the C block has Finley against Kingston, Evil against Shingo, and Tomatonga against Hanare, who is out of it. So my my thought is that we likely end up with the winner of Finley and Kingston and the winner of Evil and Shingo will move on. There's also a way where there could be um, Tama and Shingo both ending, if they win their matches, they have nine each and they had a draw together. So you could end up with a playoff, but um, this one is definitely one of the more uh, complex endings, but I, I don't know if it'll end up being all that uh, complicated. Who's your I would, I'm going with Finley and I'm going to, I, I, I said Tamatonga at the beginning, but I'll say I'll say Finley and um, Shingo move on. That's my thought. All right, I think we'll Eddie Kingston right. comes up short in this one. Uh, and then the D block will be on Wednesday. Uh, Cobb, Naito, and Zach all have eight points, and all of them are facing guys who are out of it. So you could have some spoilers, and then it's just whoever uh, gets the points uh, will come in first. And uh, so it's Cobb against Shane Haste, Naito against Tanahashi, and Zach against Goto. So Sabre has losses to Naito and Cobb, while Cobb has wins against Sabre and Naito, if you get to uh, any need for tiebreakers. I think Cobb is, he did the the 4-0 run, and then he's lost his last two. I think he's going to continue to fold, and Shane Haste plays spoiler. Shane Haste gets his uh, gets a win here and gets, uh, you know, a second big upset in the tournament. And I'm still going with Zach and naito to advance in the d block so that's my mm-hmm. thought there and then we uh we get into the playoffs the playoffs will start on thursday so sonata will take on the second place winner of the c block okada faces second place of the d block osprey against the winner of the c block and hikuleo against the winner of the d block that's all that makes sense uh it makes total sense john um but i think i have most of my interest in the e block because the post wrestling family e block standings in the G one climax contest over at postwrestling.com slash G one. This guy, this guy was ready to throw in the towel. I think I talked Brandon into you know having some optimism. When things he was right are, near the basement. Things are really heating up here with Brandon Thurston now as our leader atop with sixty three points. But John Clanchester is right behind him. Clanchester has really been you know the sonata of this uh, tournament so far, uh, pretty much you know holding that lead for the entire tournament until this last set of uh, events. So we'll see if John Clanchester can make it uh, in these final events, and then a huge three way tie for third place between the archivist John Cena and Lowdown Davy Portman, while. I am in a one-man race towards the bottom with AI, Randobot. The two of us just trying to, you know, see who can uh, avoid coming up last. Uh, wish me day. luck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I'm uh, I'm stuck in the middle there. We'll we'll see if I can catch uh, Marcotte. Maybe even oh, it, it it would be Christmas if I could if I could catch uh, Braden, but that that might be out of my my reach. Mm. This is this ends with the round robin, correct? I think so. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, that will be wrapping up this week. Um, final notes here. Uh, Kyrie, uh, it has announced she is taking an indefinite hiatus at the end of September and that it's a positive decision while also thanking Rossi Ogawa. 
so this comes a day after PW Insiders, uh, Mike Johnson reports that she is uh, expected back in WWE after leaving. She stopped wrestling in 2020, and then her deal was up at the end of 2021, and then returned to stardom a few months after that in 2022. She's only 34 years old, so she's still she she has definitely had the the wear and tear on, on her body from the years of wrestling, uh, but is certainly young enough that um, can still have a very uh, significant run in WWE. Do, do you like this return? Um, I, I mean, I, I do like it, but from what I gathered, her, her initial reasons for leaving were, was that she was homesick and, um, I, I guess, you know, maybe wanted to be closer to her loved ones. And I don't exactly know what would be changing this time around. Um, for her, I to, mean, she was also wrestling in like empty performance centers and Thunderdome. So I'm maybe. sure that you're right. That, that would be a big difference maker. I also wonder how much of this is, um, maybe brought on by, um, stardom and bushy roads uh it, it, it maybe lack of expansion the, themselves and maybe lack of resources to put into their stardom and their women's uh sort of wrestling divisions as well um and where it, she was in in the pecking order like before mm-hmm. mercedes i mean she was you know considered like their big international star and and where, did, where does she fit here but i don't think anyone is talking about the clear x factor and that's michael cole's commentary that she has to clearly <laughs> believe this would be a different run next time we're totally WWE. stardom getting a shout out last night for eos arise a, a win so. that was a very good call like obviously we couldn't hear the commentary yeah. um being at SummerSlam, but yeah I expect the whole you know uh rundown of, of their history together in, uh in the promotion and yeah i mean with eos Arai, of course you know uh, on top of the division right now it, it's perfect for you know Kyrie to come in for, for them to tell those stories uh, so let's see what they do Last thing is the ratings from Friday. SmackDown, not a whole lot to talk about. 2,248,000 viewers and a .62 in the demo. Not much change week over week. Uh, it, was, it, it wasn't by a lot, but it was their highest 18 to 49 number since July the 7th. Uh, 18 to 34 was up 6% with a, a larger increase among women in that demo. Um, I would say for a go-home show and one without Roman Reigns, I guess saying staying consistent going into the show, uh, you can't read too much in, into this number. It was like a, a standard average SmackDown number at this stage. Rampage, though, um, had a big increase, 434,000 viewers and a 0.14 in the demo. So their audience was up 34% this week. The demo up 41%, which was their highest since April. Uh, and this was all due to men. Uh Men 18 to 49 was basically double from the last week. 18 to 34 men up 131% this week. And men 35 to 49 were up 90%. Uh, That was offset by female viewership, where females 18 to 49 were down 21%. Women 35 to 49 down 58%. However, women 18 to 34 were up 33%. So the the sweet spot for parking lot fights, it's women 18 to 34. And then in a... Uh, the the older demo they, they did not have time for uh, Sue's van to get uh, demolished uh, in, in a taped environment, um, but a very consistent uh, uh, pattern throughout the show in the eighteen to forty nine demo. If you look at WrestleNomics uh, quarter hours, like there was really no fluctuation. It was all within like six thousand viewers throughout those uh, sixty minutes of the show. But the it this is what men want. That's what I took from Friday. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I, I was curious. So um, do you have the numbers for uh, from Harpo's? They drew very well on Friday. Like one of the wrestlers was telling us like it was around like 600 tickets sold. For, I, for I, Harpo's. I, I, I can't felt and I smelt 
every, each 600 of those GCW fans that night. Yeah. I, I don't know if it was 600 that made it to the end. I, I heard from several that, that tapped out before the end, including including, including us me. too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there you go. All your news can be found at postwrestling.com and all of our shows can also be found up on the website and your app of choice. Just search for Post Wrestling and we are going to have seven shows on the Post Wrestling Cafe this week, highlighted by four G1 shows to wrap up our annual coverage with shows on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, no, Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. There's actually five G1 shows this week. My goodness. Wow. Um, Bonus one just crept in there. That's right. Um, So, yes, you can check out all of those. It will be myself and Way on Tuesday. Then on Wednesday, it is Davey Portman uh, teaming up with Karen Peterson. Thursday, it's going to be myself and Way. And then Saturday, uh, Way and I will do the, uh, the penultimate show. And Sunday's final, it's myself, Karen Peterson, and WH Park. I'm doing this all off the top of my head, so uh, bear with me. You got um, it all right. Also on the cafe this week, we will have the final double shot for at least this run uh, for Dark Side of the Ring because their season finale is uh, coming up this week. The World According to Marty Jannetty, which mm. I don't think is um, a subject anyone has asked how the world would fluctuate if it was based on their views. I'm very interested in this one. This one might have held, you know, my biggest anticipation when they announced the, the list of uh, subjects. And um, it's it's not for great reasons, unfortunately. So um, we haven't really heard much from Marty in this f- sort of documentary format or interviews even for quite a while, in my opinion. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I, I hope it's I hope it's not too sad. And uh, final note is that on Wednesday at Wednesday afternoon, too much information in my head. You can check the site. Uh, we will have Pollock and Thurston and David Bixenspan will be uh, on with us uh, this coming Wednesday afternoon. We'll chat about uh, this season of Dark Side of the Ring. We'll talk about the the Hogan lawsuit against WCW coming out of Bash at the Beach and uh, whatever else is going on in the uh, the world of, of news. I'm sure we will be getting into uh, the story that Alex Sherman reported today about Max um, looking to add sports um, on the streaming service. Um mentioning like various live sports properties, but no mention of AEW in his reporting. So we will see um, if there is uh, anything more uh, to discuss in a couple of days. So lots of stuff coming up this week. Again, postwrestlingcafe.com or video.postwrestling.com is where you can support us. And again, seven bonus shows coming your way on the cafe and, uh, and more to come this month, uh, including uh, an adi- a big edition of Talk. Talk on the road with uh, waiting behind the Talk and drive. Talk and drive, yes, hands-free device. Uh, So you can uh, expect that uh, later this month as well. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. It is time to move on over to tonight's edition of Raw from the Target Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. 
coming off of SummerSlam. And we start off with our new Raw commentary duo of Michael Cole and Wade Barrett. This change uh, announced over the weekend with Cole and Barrett moved to Raw. And Cole is going to be doing double duty, at least for the time being, with Kevin Patrick and Corey Graves on Friday night SmackDown. And let's just go for the biggest shock here that they have separated Corey Graves and Ludwig Kaiser. Um, what do you mean? Why is that? Why is, why is after that the impression? Oh man, you're right. I think we only got one one week of it, and now they're gone. Maybe he got word of it, and then that's why he threw the impression out. You know, this is my last chance. I'm gonna I'm gonna get it out there. Maybe that was it. I'm saving this for Mania season. No, we're, oh, we're putting it out tonight. Is Ludwig Kaiser the the guy with uh, maybe um I don't know the 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 biggest uh, attachment on the uh, production side of things between Samantha Irvin and Corey Graves, both having very distinctive attachments to him? Yeah, I mean, in terms of um, yeah, he's he's getting in, involved with all all the production people. He is. The first hour was commercial free. So Cody Rhodes starts the show and talks about Brock Lesnar's history in Minnesota. Uh, but Brock was a, uh, he, he wasn't nostalgic to to come back to Minnesota tonight and he survived Brock and they show still shots of the handshake after the match. And Cody talked to his mother and Cody informed him that Brock Lesnar just acknowledged you. Yeah. Me madre. He said, yes. and he feels on top of the world and that he could beat anyone. So with that, Seth Rollins comes out to call him out on this this assertion. They are interrupted by the Judgment Day, although no Finn Balor. So the three are out. They run Raw. And Priest says, we dictate what happens with the title. He goes over the championships they hold and says, Dominic is not done with Cody yet. Dominic is the workhorse. And then out from the crowd comes Finn Balor, who jumps Rollins. Judgment Day start fighting. Sami Zayn is out. The babyfaces clear the ring. And Rollins is confused as Cody Rhodes issues a challenge for a six-man tag. Rollins wants nothing to do with Cody. And this would be the tension played out throughout the three hours uh, for our main event tonight. The Judgment Day against Rhodes, Rollins, and who else? It was going to be Sami Zayn, but that would change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found this uh, pretty interesting because they are, aren't even dancing around the fact that Cody um, is doesn't give a shit about Rollins' championship. Like he says, you know, I'm here to finish the story, and that story only ends by beating Roman Reigns. He basically said it here, uh, which I think is a bit dangerous for several reasons. For one thing, I mean, it it's undeniably lowers to me the value of Rollins' championship. You know, when you basically have a guy say, I've beaten Brock Lesnar, but I don't want your championship. I want that one. And I think it's also dangerous for Roman because – it's going to be hard to buy any of his contenders. We already saw it with Jay last night. You know, anybody that they set up for Roman Reigns is going to be hard to buy into when they are building Cody rightfully, you know, like really strong for a, a WrestleMania rematch at this point. So we'll be interesting to see maybe how they maybe, you know, change things up because we're still, we're still a long ways away from WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Well, at least Cody, it's not like they, he has like three wins over Rollins and consecutive pay-per-views or anything that makes it so lopsided. He has every reason to like want to just claim Rollins' title. But Rollins basically comes out here and he's like, hey, what about me? I'm a champion too. Don't you want this? Earlier today, Adam Pierce met with a Ricochet. He's protesting about the loss to Logan Paul, and he's placed into a four-way with Chad Gable, Matt Riddle, and Ciampa, with the winner getting an intercontinental title shot against Gunther. And Gable notes he is in his hometown. 
And uh, this would be our confirmation that Vince McMahon is on medical leave, uh, the outcome of this match. Oh, I would say this entire episode <laughs> kind of felt that way. Look, you, you don't think he would have booked this four-way? I don't. Yeah. I mean, of these four, like, one Look of them was... Guys, where, where's the rest of them? Did yeah, they well, get left at customs? Where's the extra two feet? One of them was Shorty G. Like, you know, the, the other was um, a guy who uh, got squashed by uh, Brock Lesnar and was just happy to be here. Another guy was in NXT for, like, what felt like 10 years. Um, and said, I'm happy to just stay here. I, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, I don't think Vince is back tonight. Riddle is the one guy that was certainly in better standing in the Vince regime, regime than, than this one. Mm-hmm. So uh, they had a terrific match. It was a, a four-way that went 10 minutes. Um, Ricochet uh, climbs, and then Riddle and Ciampa follow. So Gable comes out from underneath with like a triple suplex, sending them off. And this includes Ricochet like rotating from the top of it. It was quite the takeoff. The like this is a more ambitious Tower of the Tower of Doom spot. Mm-hmm. Gunther is watching in the back. Gable uses the ankle lock to Ciampa, and he grabs the rope. But rope breaks don't count in this uh, four-way match. Riddle breaks it up with a knee strike, and we're we're getting uh, various covers. Ricochet does a springboard and is caught with a knee from Ciampa, who hits the Project Ciampa for a two-count. There's a bro Derek, and Gable dives off the top. All four men are down, and then Gable continually gets the chaos theory thwarted, first by Ricochet, then by Ciampa, before finally hitting the chaos theory to Ciampa, and he wins in 10 minutes and 7 seconds. He got a giant pop because he was in his hometown, and then he goes to his family in the front row, lifts up his son, who's in a singlet, and carries him around the ring. He destroyed the hometown curse. He destroyed the family at ringside curse of 2023. Um, Man, talk about uh, Shorty G um, just over overachieving on this night in minneapolis oh completely this felt like the most serious thing chad gable's had in in years if ever on this show you know when they made him shorty g i thought that was like death and not i I think it's still a tough mark on him that i i do feel like it's I don't think he's completely shed that that gimmick in terms of his perception to people. I think it was a really damaging character. I don't disagree. At the same time, like you're seeing a lot of like fans just like appreciate even as a comedy character, like his abilities and his talents. I mean, first of all, in ring, but also his the catchphrases are over. You know, the Alpha Academy arguably is over strictly as a result of him. So tonight, especially in, in Minneapolis, they they treated him like a star. So just to even see him with this scene holding his child and being taken seriously. Seriously, was a big step in in the right direction. I thought the idea of this match was really good. This felt to me like very much a reset of your IC level division. And a match to follow was amazing. And it showed you what the potential should be for your mid-card title division. You know, Um, this was a really strong nucleus of guys like Gable, guys like Ricochet that actually have the crowd's attention behind them. And then you throw in, you know, great talents like Riddle and Ciampa and the results in ring are going to be really impressive. Um, It felt like there's, you know, like this show overall, I thought did a great job of like reintroducing you to a lot of guys and, and and put the focus on a lot of guys you otherwise might not have taken seriously before. They didn't make it clear. It was just the winner gets a title shot. And I thought based on just where they were, that they were going to come back and do this like later in the show in Minneapolis, Hmm. but they're, they're going to hold it off. I just, I don't know if you get a better reaction for Chad Gable than going for the title here. 
it's true. It's true. Um, they want to probably drag this out just to kind of give Gable a little bit more value and just to kind of create more more content, right? And and he's going to lose, so maybe they want Minneapolis to leave home happy. Rhodes is with Zayn and Rollins, so they're. Zayn is playing Peacemaker, and he's sick of the Judgment Day. They put his partner on the shelf, and they agree to work together, uh, but Zayn is not convinced. So we we have um, both sets of tag champions out with injuries now. You're right. Mm-hmm. They recap Tribal Combat, and this Friday, it will be a Hail to the Chief segment. So they, uh, it's a the name of a segment, and those typically draw well, with Roman Reigns and Jimmy scheduled for the show on Friday. What does that say when like um, simply titling is like, you know, an automatic, like, I don't know, 100,000, 200,000 viewers. Do you think the mandatory JAS meeting will, will have that impact on Wednesday? Uh, I don't know if it works so much with the uh, AEW. Good. The Miz is told that he needs to wait because LA Knight is in the middle of a photo shoot and the Miz just stormed off saying, what the hell is the point of this brand split? <laughs> Well, this is a photo shoot. I mean, I don't think it's, it's at raw. Photos. We're bringing you for a photo shoot. Well, he's raw? close in town. What is he going to do? Fly back, you know, or like uh, go home and then come back to take photos on Friday. They need the photos for Friday. Well, what photos do they need in, for Friday? What oh, what, what do know. they not have of this man already? <laughs> not in this vest that he was wearing this week. Shinsuke Nakamura against Bronson Reed. Barrett calls the tsunami the greatest move in sports entertainment. And uh, Michael Cole, who's just, I'm sure, exhausting his VPN, uh, talked about uh, Shinsuke Nakamura's uh, IWGP title victories in the past. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Back when uh, him and Tanahashi were fighting for the U30 championship. (laughs) Reed gets sent to the floor and then is uh, knocked into the desk. And there's an avalanche in the center of the ring. They go through the first commercial of the show. And then there's a spin kick by Nakamura. Reed responds with a clothesline, misses the tsunami, and the Kinshasa is hit from behind, then in front. So they emphasize it took two Kinshasas for Nakamura to win in 11 minutes and 54 seconds. And if you're puzzled about them beating Bronson Reed in this fashion, there was a reason for it. And Mm -hmm. that was made very clear, even just to uh, leap Nakamura into the main event. But obviously they are um, heating up Nakamura in a big way. Yeah, to be honest, like, I think this, like, what they were building with Ciampa, Reed, and Nakamura, none of them were really advancing. Like, it would sort of felt... This was the finality to it. Like, someone gets a a notable win to just come out on top in this program. So it didn't even feel like Reed lost much by, you know, losing this match against Nakamura. He kind of essentially stays in the same spot. But what they ended up doing with Nakamura after this certainly propelled Nakamura to a higher level. Raquel is still not cleared, but she is close, says Adam Pierce. And she now has friends in Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell, who are there by her side. Yes. Huge. Um, have we really explored this friendship prior to tonight on Raw? Well, you just assume um, uh, a lot happens off screen. You know, there's a, they travel together, probably at, eat at catering together often. Maxine's on the phone. And Ludwig Kaiser walks in and is telling her that Gunther is ready to wipe the floor with Gable and she has potential, but some people are just better than others and compares the group that he hangs around versus the group that Maxine hangs around calling Otis big and disgusting. And Maxine slaps him. And then Otis appears and challenges the pretty boy as Ludwig is trying to flirt with Maxine. 
Mm -hmm. I'm really happy to see Ludwig Kaiser get his own storyline. I mean, up until this point, we've really just seen seen him as like sort of the second to Gunther, the mouthpiece for Gunther. Now he's getting his own story with Maxine, it looks like. I mean, they've done a great job of establishing Maxine uh, as part of the Alpha Academy. I would certainly say she's over and, uh, you know, got, uh, I think, a good deal of attention, too, even at media day, John, you know. Um, so uh, she's getting her own storyline and now introducing a little bit of tension in the form of like Ludwig Kaiser potentially breaking up and luring her away from Alpha Academy, I think is is a wonderful follow up for the both of them. I think you certainly see them um, getting further behind Alpha Academy, acknowledging like the the audience that has gotten behind them and now trying to take them to the next level. Mm-hmm. Becky Lynch comes out. She's been tired for the past months. She's ready to end this with Trish next week and calls it the battle of the greatest of the previous generation against the greatest of this and all future generations, referring to herself. There will be no interference next week. Zoe Stark is banned from ringside. So Zoe comes out and says both her and Trish have beaten you, Becky, and thinks Becky is scared. Becky knows that Stark is gifted, but you've never had to work for anything. You got a free ride from Trish, but Trish is dragging you in the wrong direction and you're playing second fiddle. Stark calls her jealous. She's getting the what chance and says, Trish kicked Becky to the side and chose me. I'm the baddest in the locker room. And this prompts Shayna Baszler to come out um, with one eye, with one functioning eye. She just mm-hmm. looked uh, wrecked here from this MMA fight with Ronda Rousey. So yeah, nothing I mean, worse than an injury coming out of that on, on Saturday. Well, I mean, it was definitely the 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 most poorly received match on the show. But if you're going to come out of an MMA fight, I mean, what a wonderful injury to have. Um, if if you could say that about an injury. So Shayna, they push her as the first woman to submit Ronda Rousey in her career. So I'm glad they were pushing that aspect that she she has a tag like a, a tagline to come out of this match with, mm-hmm. and just like that. Baszler says, I drove Rousey out of WWE. And after all that, that that seems to be the write-off of Ronda Rousey. I mean, if uh, I think that was sort of the expectation, wasn't it? Like coming off of SummerSlam? Um, it, it depends on, I think, who you asked. I would think to the right. average person, I don't know if that was necessarily clear going in. But right. yeah, that was it. And, and she got thank you, Shayna Chance. Yeah. Yeah. And she calls, she asks Stark who the baddest woman in the locker room is. And Stark calls Shayna the baddest punching bag and threatens to send her home. Becky suggests they fight. And Adam Pierce runs out to make it official because he had nothing booked for the next 15 minutes. Finn Balor. Um, his, his rundown was very thin for this episode, honestly. You know, sometimes you just got to let things breathe on the show. You, yeah. you know, he, he has a commercial free hour and. Stuff just, it'll come together. These are professionals. I thought this like segment was a good test for both Zoe and Shayna Baszler, you know, to be able to come out and handle like a, a, a lot of talking here um, on, on a segment like this. And Zoe in particular, I thought her delivery was really strong. She had good confidence. They gave her what chance and she was not thrown off by them. You know, she plowed through them and finished the segment. Didn't seem shaken by it. And I definitely think if this was meant to be any sort of test, I would definitely say she passed. I think Shayna sounded all right too you know like there's coming off of some uh poor reviews off of saturday i think it was really important for her to like just come out and basically no sell it and just act as if hey this was a this was a big moment i i i eliminated ronda rousey from the the division um and i thought her confidence seemed just as strong as ever as well yeah i mean we'll see in a month or two where Shayna baszler is but at least this night night one after this win from Rhonda, like she was, you know, featured on, on mm-hmm. the show and they tried to put over this win. So that's encouraging. 
Finn Balor went to the uh, the lost and found at the Target Center and located J.D. McDonough. And Priest walks in to talk. And Balor says, whatever you can say to me, you can say to J.D. I've known him for 20 years. Up until six weeks ago. Then we then we lost touch. And he asks <laughs> why Balor didn't come out with them tonight. And then you jumped Rollins. You didn't tell us what your plan was. And they argue over SummerSlam, being on different pages. And Priest says, even with my help, you lost. Balor says, well, maybe it's because of you that I lost. And things are getting tense between them as Rhea comes in and tells them to act like men. Like these two, like their egos out of control. About I think the they are like acting they're, like men. They're kind of acting like yeah stereotypical uh, men here and says the priest was there to help him and it didn't work. You need to be on the same page. And JD says, might not be my place to speak, but it seems that that briefcase is coming between you. You should get rid of it. Mm-hmm. It's like throw it over a bridge or something. Uh, um, or did he mean get rid of it by cashing it in? Um, I mean, Priest took offense to it, so maybe maybe it was just more like throwing it away. I don't know, but I what, thought what if he came out and just laid down in the middle of the ring because because <laughs> Finn Balor's been playing politics all day. Wait a minute, this wasn't on our format sheet. And then who comes out later on in the show to cut the promo? Bruce Pritchard. <laughs> That would be great. Just wonderful. Hey, hey I thought Fergal. this was... <laughs> what? Hey, Fergal. We'll be calling <laughs> each other by our real names as well by Fergal. this point, right? Very nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's going to make no sense to people who haven't been... Oh, it didn't make Dark sense Star. to people who were watching the Bash at the Beach. Either, very so. true. Very true. Hey, I thought this was a really good quality segment, okay? It's spelled out clearly for somebody who um, might have watched SummerSlam and wasn't necessarily watching the, the storyline beforehand. It told you exactly the narrative behind the finish of Saturday's match. Priest and Rhea both claim that, you know, their intentions are were to help Balor, but Balor has very justifiable reason to believe otherwise. And I think they, you know, coming off of Saturday have created a really good misunderstanding story between the two of them that continues to further this wonderful tension. I'm treating this as JD McDonough's proper introduction to this main roster because whatever he was doing before um I was clearly not well thought out and completely meaningless to you know what what he's doing today um this was good they gave us the relationship between he and finn balor they've known each other for 20 years and it he's acting i hope as a bit of a wedge between you know uh finn balor and damian priest and i think with this little line in, in the end i'm hoping for further interaction with him in a way that makes it seem like he's manipulating finn balor to leave the judgment day which i think would be wonderful for jd mcdonough because it it's not that he's no longer in sort of a rookie role like he's not the understudy of the judgment day which maybe a lot of us thought he would be so i hope they further this yeah yeah it's um you know a, a life raft for for mcdonough that can now play more more of a role in this Zoe Stark and Shayna Baszler. So Becky is out drinking lemonade. Uh, we now understand why. Stark goes after. They, they list off Baszler's injuries. She's got the, the busted up eye as well as injuries to her cheek, elbow, and thumb. Ouch. Wow. That's rough. Uh, Stark hit a springboard missile dropkick. They went through the break. And there's a springboard. And Shayna catches her in the Kirafuda. But Stark sends her out of the ring. And she gets into Becky's face as she's seated there. And then Stark gets onto the apron. She's what I would call semi-distracted, like, you know, the, like there was a gust of wind and she took a look at it behind her and then turns around and she's kneed by Baszler. And then Shayna struggled 
and struggled to get her up on her shoulders and on the third try gets her up and she has now uh, taken the Piper's pit move from Rhonda and it is now the world's baddest slam. I don't know if that was an ad lib from Cole. I certainly hope it was because that's a terrible name for the most grammatically incorrect finisher in WWE and wins it in 11:48. This was too like I know when it's a WWE naming thing and this was definitely one of them. I think yeah, we are getting the yeah. world's body. I, mean, I guess world's it's a, baddest slam. It's a playoff of like the Mark Henry name I suppose. I just I still think it's it's so goofy for a character like Shayna Baszler's which you know should really kind of be based in reality. Um just call it Piper's Pit. Why not? Like if you're going to, you know, pull it and steal it from Ronda or WBS. pay tribute uh wb <laughs> i don't know if that sounds any better unfortunate screw up at the end here um and, and crowd engagement for this match was pretty low as it tends to be for a lot of the women's matches when you're not rhea ripley or becky lynch but i thought this was an overall like positive segment or series of segments for both of these two you know you you had zoe stark especially who i felt basically played shana's role here he, she was targeting shana's arm and even doing some of her moves her offense looked great her intensity was really strong that coupled with her promo it makes me feel like she's really graduated from this like trish association which by all accounts will probably be over after next week um and, and i think they, she, they've got to have zoe in a featured spot like this whole trish association she's got to be able to stand on her own after trish and they're mm-hmm. you know i i i see a lot of promise in in zoe stark yeah, I think in terms of skill, she's there. She just needs the story. She needs the crowd behind her, you know, and, and she's but she's proven that, that I think the talent's there. Um, Shayna like was treated like a baby face tonight, certainly a whole lot more than it than she was on Saturday when people weren't really treating her as anything. Um, so it was nice to hear her like it's some Shayna chance. She was wrestling as a baby face. It was a little bit awkward to see her like pump up the crowd and kind of do your traditional like, like baby face movements. It doesn't feel that, that it's so much in character, but at least and commentary was building her up as well for like being, you know, having a gutsy performance. So at least we have a direction now. At least I think we do of like, you know, how we should be feeling about Shayna Baszler. Saxton is with Nakamura and Nakamura says he's tired of people getting in his way. And Saxton does the sorry. We have something more important than you happening and runs around the corner where JD McDonough has laid out Sammy Zane. And apparently, um, Sami Zayn ingested a golf ball that tried to exit through his elbow. And this elbow, did you see what was uh, coming out of this dude's elbow? Uh, can you I zoom can in see, on this? I can see it now. Yeah. I mean, oh my God. What, what, was this, uh, what, is this an actual injury or is this not just his, his elbow? I can't, I can't zoom in it. I'm sorry. It's, if you see it, it's, it looks like some giant like fluid buildup or something in it. For all I know, it, like I, I, I don't know if this is something new. It, it could just be something he's just been dealing with. Um, huh. I mean, he wrestled last week. Um, but if you see this elbow, it looked uh, grotesque. What was coming out of his elbow? Holy shit! You're right. Wow. Oh, yeah. Here's a close up. What yeah, the fuck? The, this thing was uh, very. Uh, you know, that's uh, huh. that doesn't look like a normal elbow. That was my wow. observation. Well, I mean, it was really good follow-up for J.D. McDonough to be able to c- take credit for this golf ball. He can do his of. crazy promos from NXT about dissecting yeah. the body and going after the man's elbow. Yeah, he, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, this, this seems like he, they're directly injecting him, if not into the Judgment Day story, then directly opposed to Sami Zayn. So it gives him something. I hope they're do. injecting something into Sami Zayn to relieve some or, of that. Or, yeah, uh, dejecting it. Is that what you call it? Well, to t- take the fluid out. Okay, um, ejecting it. 
<laughs> whatever. I will say this is certainly a much better introduction for JD McDonough than a feud with Dolph Ziggler, which would have firmly put him into, you know, dark match territory. Sami Zayn needs something to do, and he's a you know top guy, so good for him. His his time on Raw would have been one in McDonough. Mm. Otis against Ludwig Kaiser was next. Um, this is when it clicked for me that we're not we're not going to get Corey Graves calling a Ludwig Kaiser match for a long time. Uh, though it's the brand split, so he could be calling his match on Friday for all we know. Oh yeah, yeah. They explain that Chad Gable is not in the corner because he won the four way, so he gets an intercontinental title shot down the road. Like, pardon me, he's not in the corner because he won a match two hours ago <laughs> for a title shot that will be. At minimum, seven days from now, if not longer, down the road. And thus, he is busy at this time. Well, I mean, you know, maybe the man likes his long showers. I wish they could just say, you know what? I think if Chad Gable wants to come out again tonight, he should do it on his own. So he gets another pop in Minnesota. That's his thinking here. Yeah. Well, that's what he did. The crowd was into Otis. He's no selling the punches. And then Maxine gets on the apron, argues with Kaiser. So Otis attacks Avalanche. He teases the Caterpillar, but Vinci gets onto the apron, is thrown in. And then Gunther shows up and just boots Otis. And uh, this referee, uh, clearly influenced by uh, Marty Asami, uh, misses all of this. And Kaiser wins in three minutes and two seconds, pinning Otis. Post-match attack leads to Gable running down and faces off with Gunther. Big champ for Gable. And uh, that match, they did not announce it for next week, but down the road. Down the road, yeah. Which would be the opposite of Winnipeg. Um, Where they are next That's where they are next week. Well, when you say down the road, that means, I I think they were speaking about time, not so much distance, right? You know, I I looked this up. So so Gunther will will get this intercontinental title record, um, like, first week of September. Mm -hmm. So they do have one episode of Raw between now and then in Memphis. And if you're going to do anything wow. uh, with, with Honky Tonk Band, like that, that's the raw to do it on. Uh, oh, my God. In a couple of weeks. So I'm not he, saying a match with the guy, but I mean, like, you're beating this guy's record. Uh, is I don't he know. on good terms with the WWE? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He had been, you know, once he went into the Hall of Fame, he seemed to be. Right. Uh, they've got to. They've got to. What do you do with Gunther and Honky Tonk Man? I, I don't know what you do with them, but I want to see. What do you not do with Gunther and Honky Tonk Man? Come on. Any interaction between the two oh, would man. be marvelous. Maybe Kaiser tries to sing, and then Honky Tonk Man comes out and shows him how to do it. Get a duet between Kaiser and Honky Tonk Man. It's too perfect. Yeah, it's it's too goofy a record that uh, – or too goofy a holder of this record is for Gunther to surpass that it's just – like it'd be one thing if this was like, oh, Ricky Steamboat ha- holds the record, but it's like right. the honky tonk man after all these years. Is but the it's more so record. the length of it that's impressive, right? Like a length that is legitimately difficult to reach. Yeah, yeah, D- different quality of title run that Gunther had from Honky Tonk Man. I mm-hmm. would say. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how many uh, classics all HTM had. Jackie Redman is with Rhodes and Rollins, and. It's going to be two on three when Nakamura comes in and he volunteers to join. And Rollins, he's always respected Nakamura, but it's taken him years to tell him this to his face. So he says, sure, you're in. And just like that, Nakamura's in the main event. Miz TV, Miz comes out. He complains about the lack of respect in the locker room. 
when he joined WWE, he was taught respect. You come in, you shake hands with with the elders. You when you enter, <laughs> LA Knight never shook hands. I was like, I love this Miz heel. Love character. this. He's the he's the salty veteran that just wants the industry to be the way it used to be, and says LA Knight did not shake his hand. I'm sick of people. Uh, showing a lack of respect from this crop of new talent. So yes, folks, this is a 42 year old Miz brow beating a 40 year old rookie LA night. <laughs> I mean, ten, 10 years says a whole lot, doesn't it? Like, don't so. you? Yeah. Anyway, in Japan, this would somehow make sense. Knight comes out and he thought they had a, he made a great introduction to him in the battle Royal. The crowd yells his name and Miz turns down a handshake when Knight offers it. Miz says he's seen these guys try to ride his coattails. And Miz says, if you strip away my charisma, my talent, my hot wife, you know what you get? You get LA Knight. Just an Attitude Era fanboy cosplaying in the ring. Great line. Oh, Kevin Nash is a spirit. He was cosplaying Kevin Nash here. That's the funny part. What, with a vest? No, this this was Kevin Nash's criticism of... uh, LA Knight. What do you mean he was cosplaying? Oh, you mean Miz, Miz was cosplaying was. Kevin Nash? Okay. Miz is just taking Kevin Nash's. To uh, be fair, it's a lot of people's criticisms of LA well, Knight. He gets a, a tiny balls uh, reference here. And then Knight says, Miz doesn't want to make this personal. Miz says, I do take this personally. This is my career. He goes over all he's done in 20 years. What have you been doing for 20 years? And Knight comes back and says, I've been scratching and clawing for 20 years while WWE's been betting on all the wrong horses like you. I've been on a parallel path, but a rockier one. Well, you got a head start here in this company because you're safe. And they could toss toss you out of the locker room because you'd take it. They didn't take a chance on me because I'm a dangerous man. And I'm not to, I'm not one to get messed up with. And he says he's on the rise while your career is in the toilet. And he got a bit tongue-tied here, but recovered. And he's going to use Miz as a stepping stone to go to the main event. Miz screams, I'm not a stepping stone. And as Knight goes to challenge him, Miz hits him with a cheap shot. But then it's a skull-crushing finale that gets stopped. And Knight ends it with the blunt force trauma onto the Miz. Uh, A really entertaining segment that these two had. I thought this was an outstanding segment. I don't think you could have asked for more from a Miz segment in 2023. I thought it was a wonderful follow-up to LA Knight's Battle Royal win and what would what really felt like a I think a pretty like his biggest weekend certainly, you know, uh during his WWF run, probably his entire wrestling career. Um this was also an introduction for LA Knight to a WWE Raw audience on a different network and for people that already know LA Knight, a reintroduction with him as now a guy with the company's rocket sta- strapped to his back. You know, we got both Dupree's on Raw. <laughs> I think brother and sister reunited. Disowned, I think he's disowned that name, but you're right; they can reunite at some point. They're making the family proud. I thought they found a great way to like draw association between Miz and LA Knight. Miz as the guy who you know plays grumpy veteran, upset at these sort of like you know young up up and covers not shaking his hand, which I think is just hilarious reason to get mad at somebody but um it's that that was the whole um booker t T deal with the bucks countless others that we probably didn't even know about but it's just like it sounds so stupid (laughs) that it it makes for wonderful heel like logic to hate somebody right i think also like you're just an attitude era fanboy cosplaying in my ring is a great line that again feels pulled from reality for real criticisms of la night and i thought night's comeback even though it was going to be a lot more difficult to come up with, I thought they gave you something great here. You know, he says they didn't choose me. 
because they couldn't make me the company's lapdog like they did you, basically. I've been doing everything that I can to get here while this place has been betting on all the wrong horses. You being one of them is, an, I think, an ether level nine line from LA Knight that just completely reduces the Miz's accomplishments to nothing. Um, again, pulled from reality, yes, a little bit on the sort of like work shoot scale, but I think it still works in the context of, you know, a pro wrestling promotion that favors like, you know, one guy by putting him in certain spots. So ultimately, you got a really high level showcase of LA Knight's charisma, his ability to, again, be confident in, in his great delivery. And you had the Miz here, I think, in almost like at his best, you know, in sort of his talking smack form. So huge kudos to the both of them, including the writers, whoever came up with this. And I continue to be like the Miz deserves his like a plenty of appreciation as like a guy who continues to feel like one of the most selfless people to just kind of play like welcome Matt, you know for any any new person that they're debuting and doing a great job at it this this is the like match equivalent of like coming in and you just get like it's you're there to get the other guy over and put his finisher over in this case like a catchphrase or it just be you are there to be uh the 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 stepping stone and he's a very unselfish performer and that's consistent with uh with, with mike bazan and that's what this segment needed it uh, so, um Real name. Listen, listen, Sean. Listen, <laughs> Sean Ricker. Yeah. Viking Raiders and Valhalla. Um, they issue an open challenge for a team to be sacrificed to the gods. Hmm. Yeah, Sounds typical, fun. typical reason to yeah, start yeah. a wrestling they're going, to, uh, they're going to the Bible. Viking Raiders against the returning New Day. Kofi Kingston is back from his ankle surgery with Xavier Woods. So, um, Good match here that they had for the the time they had. It led to a hot tag to Kingston, who made his comeback on Ivar, hit the boom drop, and then hit an SOS for a two count. Eric's in with the knee, and then Kingston uses a Rana to send Eric out. Trouble in Paradise to Ivar, followed by the limit break from Xavier with the elbow off the top and pins Ivar in 540. So the New Day win, and then they run into Jackie Redman backstage. Thought the sacrifice to the gods was a, a pretty odd challenge that they <laughs> accepted, and they're here to inject positivity. And they're going for the tag titles. They have they have sat down and said, "What are we missing? Tag title run." So they are going for them um, against. Uh, now's the time to strike because both champions are hurt. Well, who would they face? I guess you know. No one. Owens and Zayn are uh, one storyline hurt, one's real hurt, and. Mm. Um, Maybe yeah. maybe they're going for Tony D'Angelo and uh, Stax. Maybe those tag titles, yeah. Didn't they go after them? Didn't they go after the NXT titles? Uh, they did, yes, with Pretty Deadly. Right. They won? Did they win? Um, okay, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, I'm really hoping that this New Day return is a chance for them to so, uh, give them a bit of a refresh, um, just even in terms of personality. Or like, in terms of, like... Wait, whether you like the new day or not dude they are going to they are identical like they oh, are going God. to be the exact same and they were here like this is yeah. the act this is how they are and they're you know it's there been there's been no advancement i mean just even dating back to like you know kofi mania there's been zero character growth they they lost one of their members and we've seen zero he's been bottling it he's going to address the title loss we've been waiting yeah remember the crushed uh cookie or whatever yeah yeah we're still waiting for that moment I mean, like that, I understand. Meme. I understand the gimmick is like you know um, the power of positivity and that like nothing should phase them. That doesn't mean you can't like 
why am I, why do I care to watch you? You know, if like nothing's going to bother you, if you're not going to sell anything, like what, what, what lesson am I, am I, am I learning here by, by watching you? Like, what are you overcoming for me to like, you know, want to cheer for you to win, you know? And I, I, for all I know, they could be setting up something very different for them, but um, I've, I've been kind of proven wrong and I've been disappointed in the past with the lack of growth of, of the new day. So I don't know another 16th title reign or what are we at now? What are they after? Oh, they're they're going for 30. I think that's it. So, All right. Saxon met with Becky, and she gets interrupted by Shayna, who is coming for the man. And Becky says, great, I'm looking forward to it. So we already have our next program uh, lined up after Trish. Yeah, and in the, this is interesting because, I mean, I, it looks like Shayna's a baby face, but it also doesn't mean she can't go after our favorites Please, as well. I, I can't do another, like, <laughs> deciphering. Shayna is Shayna, okay? Yeah, that's how we're right, going to go with right. this from now yeah. on. Judgment Day comes out for the main event, and then Raquel, not cleared, jumps Rhea Ripley. Candice and Indy, her best friends, are out, and they hold Raquel back. And then Candice and Rhea are fighting, so uh, not not good for the future of Candice LeRae. She's uh, probably going to get decimated next week. Mm-hmm. Main event is Seth Rollins, Cody Rhodes, and Shinsuke Nakamura against Dominic, Damian Priest, and Finn Balor. Uh, the crowd is chanting Dom's a loser. Uh, they had the heat on Rollins. They go through a second commercial break, and again, uh, Dom is beating on Rollins after a cheap shot from Rhea on the floor. Rollins stops the three amigos and they get the big hot tag for Cody, who's in. Balor stops at crossroads, avoids the Cody cutter, and then Cody lands a super kick. Er, Rollins lands a super kick and they hit a uh, Cody cutter. Save is made by Dominic. And then the crossroads to Balor gets stopped when Priest nails Rhodes with the briefcase from the floor. Sami Zayn jumps the guardrail and attacks Damian Priest, sends him over the desk, and it's a super kick by Rollins that knocks the briefcase into Balor's face. Crossroads for the win as Cody pins Balor in 14 minutes and 44 seconds. Zayn has the elbow wrapped up, so that is the uh, the, the the target from uh, J.D. McDonough. And as the four are standing in the ring, they're celebrating. They're on the corners. They're, yeah. Loud, loud, loud. And then Nakamura is sick of this. And he takes out Rollins with the Kinshasa. And he walks off looking uh, pissed. So Nakamura and Seth Rollins is our title program coming out of SummerSlam. Yeah, and this too, I don't know if you necessarily consider it a, a heel turn. Because I don't even know. Like Nakamura's sort of been flirting with like being a heel anyway as part of like the whole Champa Reed thing. Um, so this, you know... For all we know, he could turn back into "quote unquote" babyface like after this. And it, I took this as it, I, I think this is the heel route for him that he's, and it solidified his end with Bronson Reed because now that you've done this turn, there's not really that dynamic to do that match. Um, yeah, he will certainly be a heel against Seth Rollins, but I mean, this is also the type of like thing they can excuse as him simply wanting to, you know, he's 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 been driven to to these actions, right? Because he people have been fucking with his like matches the whole time. Now he's taking things into his own hands. I think it's a great direction, you know, for Nakamura versus Rollins. They kind of misdirected you, right? All episode they were kind of teasing Cody versus Rollins, even though Cody has expressed zero interest in wanting to win Rollins' championship. That's clearly beneath him. Um, but instead, they gave us Nakamura versus Rollins at the end, and I felt pretty satisfied here with the way that they've advanced, you know, Nakamura on this episode. I was very satisfied throughout the entire episode with, I think, advancements for a lot of people. You know, number one, um, you had your your kind of big players coming off of SummerSlam getting really good follow up here in LA Night. Shayna Baszler, I thought, got something good here, um, and then you had people like Gable, Nakamura. Uh, JD McDonough on the show, Ludwig Kaiser, even Raquel and Rhea all getting something very significant on the show. So everything on this episode felt very well, like 
felt like it had purpose. You can see a lot of programs coming out of this, a mixture of what you could extend to payback versus what they do on television over the next couple of weeks uh, on top of that, because they have a few Canadian dates, uh, both for Raw and SmackDown coming up over the next uh, two weeks. You've got uh, Raw next week in Winnipeg, and then they've got uh, a Quebec City Raw, which should be red hot. That crowd is going to be so hot in Quebec City. Wow. And both both uh, Quebecers might be off? Oh, yeah. I... I can't imagine they off the show completely. There's nothing stopping them from putting them on the show. Um, Hopefully the Zane thing is is just like some sort of weird fluid thing and he can come back. So it's what, two weeks? That's in two weeks in Quebec City. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're doing SmackDown in Calgary this week and then Toronto the next week, which is Edge's uh, celebration deal. Right. Well, yeah. I I mean, I I thought this was a really good edition of Raw, actually. Well-written and uh, with a lot of purpose, you know, coming off of SummerSlam. A lot of good... Where where do you see Cody going for the immediate future? My only... Mm -hmm. They didn't give a big hint here. I could see him challenging like Damian Priest for the briefcase. I can too, yeah. Maybe you don't even have to to put the briefcase on the line. Like, Cody just has to come up with some other motivation for how this is a part of, like, finishing his story, you know? Um, I guess... He pinned pinned Balor here. It seems as though that would be... I don't know if there's as much juice for a hmm. Balor Cody program as there would be Priest. I just like the briefcase. Like it, it's it's another thing. Like it gives a reason why Cody isn't going for the title. It's sort of a, a an issue that also has a uh, a value if he can get this briefcase. It also allows him to challenge any champion, and it would be a direct path to Roman. So I, I I like that idea a lot if they decide to go there. Okay, well that was raw, and yes, as you mentioned, uh, a lot of. You know, a lot of interesting directions and where you can see things uh, going uh, for Raw. What What did you think about, um, I mean, Cole and Barrett, you, you hear them every Friday. Do you like these uh, changes or are they kind of just, it's it's the same teams, just different nights? Pretty lateral with the exception of like, I guess you would assume, like Cole, do you think, would, do you think Kevin Patrick would still be lead on SmackDown? We're going to see. I they seem to have like past, really Cole... kind of gotten away from the three-man teams that I don't know how that one's going to work because you would think like Kevin Patrick is there to be groomed to be a better play-by-play announcer. And if Cole is just doing all the heavy lifting, how's Kevin Patrick benefiting versus just being in that confusing third-person role where I'm not quite play-by-play, I'm not the analyst, and competing with Cole and Graves is going to be difficult for him. Like they have that mm-hmm. natural rapport and are the a team really like Cole and graves. That's their pay-per-view team. I don't know how Patrick fits in there. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, obviously like they have not given up on him because he's there. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a move that I feel like, well, maybe uh, reasons might, might reveal themselves a, a bit later on. Otherwise it's a bit lateral. I will say I, I do prefer Barrett and, and Cole, even to like graves and, and Cole. I, I think Barrett has, is really good at just simply like, doing his job without necessarily like, you know, drawing too much attention to himself. Um, I think he's very dependable and has like, you know, ascended the ranks like pretty quickly for good reason. All right. If you have any super chats, you are welcome to uh, drop them in and we will get to those before the end of the show. We also have some feedback up on the forum. Let's go to forum.postwrestling.com. Jermaine from Chicago. Hope you two are refreshed from a long Detroit weekend. I was looking forward to this Raw because I like the Raw after pay-per-view that introduced new programs. I really like Wade Barrett from his NXT days. And wow, is he an upgrade for me on Raw. 
I'm all in on Chad Gable working with Gunther. Should be a good match. I think that WWE should adjust its man-on-woman violence. Hear me out. It looks so fake to me when Dominic is watching his girl get attacked and does nothing. I think that they should allow for him to pull Rodriguez off of Ripley. No one should. No one would be outraged. I mean, they don't have a rule against uh, contact. I mean, I just yeah, they've done this sort of thing in the past. Like a pull right? apart. I don't think they have any issue with that. Seth versus Nakamura is okay to, for me, just for some variety. Uh, with Kevin Owens hurt and now Sonya Deville out, WWE tag divisions are in shambles. Sonya's been through a lot. Get healthy soon, and you two have a great week. Well, thanks, Jermaine. You too. Thanks, Jermaine. Yeah, in both cases, I wonder how they'll follow up. I mean, I don't see them retiring the the tag titles. I I, I do hope this is an a, a should be a, a way for them to be able to refresh the, the division. Maybe you get double tournaments, you know? Um, Owens is also not gone for, like, it's it's a rib injury. It's like, it's not like he's this guy's going to be out for nine months, whereas Sonya Deville, if it is, in fact, a full tear, like, that's six to nine months. It's it's a different circumstance. Okay, let's go to Muggin, who says, Nakamura worked double duty, and he launched himself into the world title picture. It's going to take work to make him credible again, but as we've seen with Finn Balor, it's possible. A lot of talent resurfacing, like Indy and Candice popping back up and being utilized, it appears to me that any creative plans that were nixed by the old man are getting picked back up again, with which bodes well before football season starts. Chad Gable had a dope night. A four, the four-way match was strong, and it was nice to see him celebrate with his son. Becky swigging lemonade during Stark and Baszler was hilarious. It's a popular drink, and it still is. Work the gang star. LA Knight's momentum continues to pick up steam. He and The Miz had a damn good promo. Agreed. What, what was the better child cameo of the last few days? Um, Chad Gable's son tonight on Raw? Or Christian Cage's daughter on Collision, which was hilarious. I would say Christian Cage's daughter. Yeah. Yeah. This was the girl that Jungle Boy hid behind on Dynamite last week. And then on Saturday, I don't think they called this out, but I think everyone pieced it together that this was Christian's daughter. Um, <laughs> I don't know if we're even supposed to know that. Like, I think we're. I think you're very much supposed to. Know- They're not hitting you over the head with it but i think they very much want you to make that that connection so you think this is all set up for christian joining back up with jack perry i don't know if that's the end result but i think there's certainly i i don't think that was done for i just think i just think she was just uh, supposed to be an extra in the jack perry scene but we'll see yeah this is all set up for her like big debut 20 years from now going up against a negative one i'm sure she was excellent like if you watch her face during christian's promo like she just looks like i'm being held hostage here and then christian tries to kick her out of the arena it was just it was so funny all right um coming up on tuesday we have two shows coming your way the g1 it is the final night of the c block with eddie kingston against david finley evil against shingo takagi tamatonga against aaron hanare and tomohiro ishii taking on mikey nichols so wait did you did you give us your your pick who, who are going to be the two that advance in the c block c block um i i think uh it'll be david finley and i'm gonna go with evil sorry okay and evil i i would not shock me um if if, if he moved on and then Tuesday night, Davy and Braden, they are also back from Detroit. They will be chatting NXT, which is highlighted by Dominic Mysterio against Dragon Lee for the North American title. Rey Mysterio will be in Dragon Lee's corner. They've also announced Braun Breaker against Von Wagner, Tyler Bate against Noam Dar, Trick Williams against Ilya Dragunov, Axiom versus Mustafa Ali, Blair Davenport versus Kalani Jordan, and Ivy Nile taking on Kiana James. Uh, so that's happening. And Dynamite Wednesday night, we have Jack Perry against RVD for the FTW title. Hikaru Shida versus Anna Jay for the women's title. The Young Bucks against the Hardys. Penta and Phoenix against Moxley and Claudia. Dude, the BCC are just 
just go every single week. Yeah. Uh, MJF and Adam Cole appear and the mandatory meeting. JAS. Bigger question is what matches get announced for all that all in or all out. Um, yeah, you have two pay-per-views in two weeks. Lots two weeks. I mean, that it. I mean, uh, a week apart from each other. That's what I'm saying. Oh, that's what you. Yeah. Well, we, we how many weeks are weeks. we? We got well, how many dynamites do we have? One, two, three. We got three dynamites before all in. Yeah. So, um, there we go. That's going to wrap it up for us. Thanks to everyone uh, that checked out any of our uh, shows and interviews and whatnot over the weekend. And if we got to see any of you. It was great to run into you in Detroit. Uh, you can still catch our SummerSlam review. It's up on the site. And I, I never get tired of uh, people that uh, comment stating it's great to see you two together in person. <laughs> like, yeah, this is our only interaction happen. way. It's through this digital. Maybe I just, I've got to go, like, I need to do a, <laughs> bit, a bit where I can, like, come into the screen or something. It, it does happen from time to time. I mean, listen, it's really late. Like, you know, we, we, we much prefer, you know, just doing this from the comfort of our own homes when it's this late. But trust us, we, we do see each other in person from time to time. All right. Well, for Way, I'm John. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll be back about 48 times this week. Goodbye.